is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, the, the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. And it's Tuesday. I apologize for the late start. The expressway is just packed <laughs> right now. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer, Monica Ray, Big J journalist. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. You? Good. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's about time I got here. Some commute, huh? Oh, my goodness gracious. It was terrible. Uh, quite the show we've got for you today. Uh, top 10 teams in the NFL after week nine. That's coming up top of hour number two at noon. Uh, Speedy Petey comes on at 1230. We play what are the chances at the end of the show. Uh, it's a jam-packed Tuesday, but I do want to begin with this. A lot of what makes good teams in the NFL is how good you are, how good your players are, how good your coaches are, your game plan. You know, If you have good players and good coaches, chances are you're good. But for great teams, it has a lot to do with when you're good. Are you good early? Are you good late? Do you struggle early and force yourself to come back? Great teams usually have an identity of when they're good. One thing I've noticed about the Cowboys is that they're incredibly talented in every unit of their team. Their roster's loaded. But they fall behind early a lot. They do. I've noticed a trend with the Cowboys. They're incredible when they lead early in games. They can control the clock. The defenses bend, don't break. They can serve Dak a little bit. They don't give teams a chance to come back when Dallas gets out to a lead. But when they're behind early... It's really tough for them to battle back. They force Dak to be virtually perfect down the stretch, and he just isn't that type of quarterback. So this is a primary reason why I think the Cowboys have to upgrade at coach. The first 10, 12 plays of the game need to be flawless most of the the time in order for this team to, to be legit contenders. They can't afford first play interceptions because the defense knew what play was coming. They can't afford those plays. You know, Dak Prescott isn't Russell Wilson. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Deshaun Watson. He needs a lot of talent around him and an early lead. Dak needs to get coached into an early lead. And that's why I criticize guys like Jason Garrett. I criticize Jason Garrett because the first part of the game is not always perfect. And if you look at a lot of the great coaches in the sport, Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, Kyle Shanahan, you look at a lot of Andy Reid, a lot of the great coaches in the game, they have the first 10, 12 plays that are all scripted are all executed perfectly. It isn't like that with the Cowboys. That's coaching. People have a hard time buying into the Cowboys because they rely on a lot of things to go their way in order for them to be successful. And I've always pushed back a little bit on that and said, well, hang on, it isn't always that way. But I noticed something. The truth of the matter is they need to rely on them to get the Cowboys an early lead. 
Dak needs to rely on his talent in order for him to get ahead. But have you noticed that it flips when it's the other way around? The, the Cowboys rely on Dak to bring them back if they fall behind. It's exactly the opposite. So in order for them to get a lead, Dak will rely on the talent around him, but if they fall behind early, Dak's got to be magical. How does that work? It doesn't make The Cowboys last night played a very sloppy brand of football, and they were fortunate that the Giants with a rookie quarterback unraveled late. But against playoff teams, they won't be able to make that many mistakes and still win, let alone by 20. I mean, there's no question about Dallas's talent. You know, it's, it's always been about when that talent is going to show up, when your talent is good that day. They have a quarterback like Dak Prescott, who at times struggles to make plays downfield can sometimes make bad reads, and a coaching staff that can, at some points, get really predictable and have a very bland opening script. That's, that's the Dallas Cowboys. That's the synopsis right there. I like the Cowboys, but right now I'm not sure how confident I am in their Super Bowl hopes. I'm not. They're good because they have good players on all levels of both sides of the football. They get after the quarterback. They just got Michael Bennett. They were putting pressure on Daniel Jones yesterday. They have a great set of linebackers. They have a really nice secondary that's young and fast. A good set of wide receivers. They have a great running back, Ezekiel Elliott. One of the best offensive lines in football. But, but that's it. They're just good. That's all I can give them. They're just good because situationally, they're a little stale and they're inconsistent on when those good players perform. If they perform early, they win. If they perform late, more than likely, they lose. They're very reliant on getting on top early. And that's their identity. And that's fine. But if they don't get behind early, you can judge when a Cowboys game is over within the first eight or nine minutes of the game. If they get down by ten in the first eight or nine minutes... The game's over. The game's over. They can't go two straight possessions. The, the other team scores 10 unanswered points. The Cowboy game's over at that point. It's done. If they get behind, it forces Dak Prescott to make magic, and that more often than not won't be the case, especially against top-tier teams in this absolutely loaded NFC landscape. It just won't happen. Dak's not that type of quarterback. Drew Brees can come back late. Aaron Rodgers is notorious for coming back late. He's not that level of quarterback. He's going to be in the 16-17 range of quarterback, and that's what, that's what he's going to be. He's, he's going to struggle to come back late. So the Cowboys can be good if they get out to an early lead, and this is why I have a problem with their coaching. Because they, in order for this team to be good, you've got to be virtually perfect right out of the gate. You've got to be scripted. Those 10, 12, 13, 14 scripted plays at the beginning of the game on your first possession or first two possessions have to be pretty much flawless. And if they're not, they put themselves in a bad spot. 
Okay, I want to move on to this. I'm going to say something that you'd never expect to hear. But the more I thought about this, the more I think that these two quarterbacks are more alike than we think. Baker Mayfield is like Peyton Manning. Or at least he should be like Peyton Manning. So my dad and I are, are, are both Cowboy fans, and, and we have a really good relationship. We're like best friends. And we're watching the game yesterday, and a Baker Mayfield commercial comes on. It's, it's one of the ones where, you know, it looks like he lives in the stadium. It's, it, it's hysterically funny. At the end of it, we're both laughing hysterically. These commercials are really funny. They really are. And I'm looking at my dad, and I'm like, you know, Baker Mayfield is incredibly funny and likable in these commercials. Why isn't he actually like this? Instead, he's condescending, he's aggressive, he's snarky, he's not what you want your quarterback to be. But I never doubted Baker's personality. Baker can make people laugh. The problem is that Peyton Manning was exactly like Baker. Smart, really talented, and hysterically funny with a big personality. Peyton Manning's commercials are all incredible. That, that SNL skit he did about that Peyton Manning day camp or whatever it was. Football you know, camp. That football camp where it's yeah, spend time with your kids so Peyton Manning doesn't. I mean, that's, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. It is. It's so, so hysterical. He's throwing the football. He's throwing the football. He's like, oh, catch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Close the door. He sends a kid in the porta potty. It's great. But when Peyton got in front of the media, it was never snarky or cringy. It, Peyton was always likable. He was the Peyton that everybody loved. When he would talk to the media, he was the exact same way. That big, laughable personality, that doofy little white guy that's funny. That was Peyton Manning. Big forehead. I mean, Peyton Manning was great. He gave everybody what people wanted. You see, we criticize Baker Mayfield for being in tons of commercials, especially since he's not winning, right? But what he doesn't realize is that he, the funny, charming, likable guy that he is for progressive, is the guy everybody wants to see at the podium or in front of reporters. Peyton loved to make people laugh on TV, but he brought that guy to the public. Baker makes you laugh on TV, but brings the snarky and aggressive to reporters. Now, I don't think Baker will ever be Peyton Manning on the field, but you got to admit, there are some similarities. Both have a reputation for accuracy, right? When, he, when Baker came out of college, he was dangerously accurate, He's obviously digressing this year, but he's had a reputation of being really accurate, just like Peyton. They're both really smart guys, both fierce competitors, but the difference lies in leadership and how they relate to people outside of the commercials. I'm sitting there with my dad last night, and we're both saying, Baker Mayfield should be Peyton Manning. He just chooses not to be. Seriously, he's hysterical. Baker Mayfield is really funny, a, gr a great personality. So why does he make it so hard for us to like him? The opportunity for Baker to be likable is there. 
He's funny. He plays for the darling Cleveland Browns. He's been an underdog his whole life. He's surrounded by talent. He's talent. He is talented. He's a quarterback. There's, there's no reason why he shouldn't be the most likable guy in the NFL. That's what, that's what's most frustrating with Baker. It's not so much that he isn't likable. It's that he should be likable. Baker and Peyton are actually very similar. But the way Peyton Manning handled himself was second to none with any quarterback in this league's history. And Baker makes it so hard for us to be on his side. There's just a difference. Peyton loved to make people laugh. And Baker does too. But Baker only likes to make people laugh when it's attached to an endorsement deal. And that's what bothers me about guys like Baker. Attacking reporters, constantly making noise, thinking that's leadership. It's just, it's the whole thing. So in the end, Baker and Peyton Manning could be virtually the same in everything. But in the specific thing that we criticize Baker for, leadership, personality in front of the media, they couldn't be more different, Baker and Peyton. But I'm serious. I'm sitting next to my dad, and I'm talking to him, watching this Baker Mayfield commercial, and we're both laughing hysterically at that commercial. And we're both saying to ourselves, God, could you imagine... What, how much easier it would be for Baker Mayfield if he just brought that guy in the commercial, that charming, funny guy, to in front of the media? It's not that hard. But instead, he chooses not to. And I don't want to hear just like, oh, well, he's not, that's not who he is. Well, I don't want to hear that's not who he is. Then change. Okay, he's mar- his wife is in the commercials. He's a, look, the way, that commercial where he walks all the way across the state, they're watching... TV on the big jumbotron, and the, he has to walk across the stadium to get her an iced tea, and then he forgets the straw, and she looks at him, and she's like, D- straw? He's like, oh, and then he has to get up and yeah. go all the way back and get her. That's funny. Why not be that guy? You realize that you've got every bit of potential to be exactly the guy that Peyton Manning was. Likeable, great, you're surrounded by talent. There's no reason why Baker Mayfield shouldn't be the, the most likable guy in the NFL. And like I said, we, get, we bash him all the time. It isn't so much that he isn't likable on its surface. It's that he should be, and he isn't. All right. Uh, God, I am just flat-out brilliant today. Did you hear those two segments, Evan? God, I am just, Monica, I, hold I on, am hold just on, normally hold on, just hold on, hold brilliant. On. Hold on, hold on. Monica said your untucked shirt was is good, but not the best one yet. So no, yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Whatever. You that. And I you like lo- the collared one. Yeah. Better. Okay. You lost, you lost yeah. two bold predictions in a span of two okay. hours. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Coming up next. Coming up next. I keep hearing that the NBA is a shooting league, but so far the league is telling you that it's actually something else. That's next. It's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Monica, phone call. What do we got? Charles Miller from North Carolina. Charles, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Charles. Hey, good morning. 
are tired. What's your, wait, what's your question for Charles, what you got, bud? Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, I can hear you. Go ahead. All right. All right. Charles? Charles, I'm doing, go ahead. I'm doing pretty good. Maybe there's a long delay. All right. What do you All right. Go ahead. Peyton Manning, well, Tom Brady went into the half, and he was going into the locker room. He, he said to Ed Reed that you're my kryptonite. I was wondering why he would say that to Ed Reed of all people at that moment in time when they lost their first game of the season. It's probably just playful, right? I mean, yeah. Patriots, well, also, have, Patriots have a history against the Ravens. Ed Reed yeah. has done a number on Tom Brady. Why yeah. not? There's also it a, seems playful to me. There's also an interesting thing, too, because Brady and Belichick, there's a thing, great special on the Football Life documentary with Belichick, where Brady and Belichick are talking about Ed Reed, and Brady has a, on his game plan wrist, he has, there's a thing on the thing called watch out for 20. Every time they played the Ravens, it said watch out for 20 at all times on his game plan wrist. So it's a, it's gamesmanship and sportsmanship, my Charles. That's right. So. Yeah, David David posted on Instagram where he went and said that right before Ed Reed got his his uh, Hall of Fame ring. Mm. Yeah, we saw we saw that. We saw yeah, that. So. yeah, all something right. uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks for the call, Charles. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. All right. Uh, so let me get into this. The NBA is very tough to diagnose right now because it's so early in the year, but. Uh, It's always fun to try to poke holes in things. Uh, The top of the league so far has been a lot of what we expected. The Lakers, the Clippers, Philadelphia, Boston. It's it's pretty much what most of us predicted. Uh, Now, I've I've always complained that people claim uh, the league is something when it actually isn't. The NBA is not a shooting league. It's a playmaking league. I've always said that. Have we noticed that the top, the teams at the top of the league all have guys that pass? <laughs> they, they all have players that move the ball and find open shots and beat you from inside. And Philadelphia got rid of most of their shooters <laughs> yeah, and got better. J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler are gone. Al Horford is in, and they're unbelievable. <laughs> That's the way to Defensively, they got taller, they got bigger, and Philadelphia got better. Can we see that now? You know, teams with LeBron and Kawhi and Ben Simmons and Anthony Davis are all thriving. We look at a guy like James Harden and the Rockets, whose entire philosophy is to jack up triples from all over the place. Oof. (laughs) Struggling. Harden and Westbrook can be playmakers. But Houston's system calls for a lot of isolation and hoisting up threes on every possession. And that's the brand of basketball we thought was going to run the league. The Philadelphia and the Lakers move the ball. Find shots all around the floor. They make plays and dissect defenses. That's what wins in this league. And people keep telling me, shooting wins in this league, and you have to be able to shoot. Then, then why did everybody fall in love with Giannis last year? Why did everyone want Zion Williamson in the draft? Because they can make plays that change the course of the game. They don't shoot really well. LeBron is an okay shooter, and he's the best player in the world. Giannis really can't shoot. Ben Simmons doesn't shoot. 
and these guys are winning in the league today. The NBA has fooled you into thinking you need to shoot because of Steph Curry and the Warriors. Well, they don't exist anymore, so we can move off that theory. Go back to ball movement and making players around you better. Those are the guys that win. That's what wins in this league. Playmaking is the thing you have to have, not necessarily shooting. Oh, boy, oh, boy. We are absolutely loaded today. All right, um, Evan, what do we got? We got anybody on the phone? What is it? All right. Here we go. Mike from Bayshore on the line. I think I know what he wants to talk about, Mike. Oh, boy. <laughs> How we doing, Mikey? I'm good, Mike. What's going on? Let me tell you something. That was, that was one hell of a game yesterday. But you know what? I want, I want your opinion really quick. Was it a bad Cowboy win or was it just a bad Giant loss? Uh, I think it was a bad Cowboy win and a bad Cowboy uh, Giant loss. Yeah, Both, that, it was a very ugly, ugly, unorganized you know, I think the Cowboys were very fortunate to win that game uh, because if it weren't for a bunch of costly turnovers by the Giants, I, I mean, they the Giants fell apart in the second half of that football game. Well, I think it had to do something with that black cat running around. Yeah, right. Everybody <laughs> likes to be superstitious Mike, because of the black cat. Mike, I was about to ask. Mike, Mike, I was about to ask. Giants are up 9-3. to three. Were you the one that let that – now, you were at the game last night. Did you? Were you the yeah, one that let that cat game, out? Yes. You no, let that cat out. Let that cat out. <laughs> Not me. That was Stephen A. Who let that cat out. Screw oh, all that bad luck oh, on the Giants. <laughs> yeah, it was but, I mean, Stephen A. I mean, yeah, the Cowboys. I mean, they always come off a, a bye week playing very, very bad. But I mean, even though they blew the Giants out, I, I don't think it was a good win for the Cowboys at all. I mean, it was. They, they looked bad. They really did. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, look, like I said at the beginning of the show, you know, the Cowboys have a very. I have a very uh, simple identity to who they are. They have a very yeah. simple identity. It's if they're good early, they're more than likely going to win. If they're bad early and they're forced to come back, more often they're more often than not they're going to lose that game. They I just, mean, to me, they're a second team. They're a second half team. The first half they always play like crap, and then they adjust. And the second half they come out as a better team. I mean, I don't know if I you notice that. That's what I notice. Well, like I said, what I notice is is that the Cowboys are at their best when they get out to an early lead because then they can control the game. Right? They can control mm-hmm. the clock. Their defenses bend, don't break. They can limit teams to field goals. When they get out to an early lead, they're great. But yeah, they play better in the second half whenever they're down. But have you noticed, Mike, that they, they do come back in a lot of games, but they don't come all the way back. So yeah, they'll get right, down. They'll get guys. they'll get down twenty four to three, and then the final score will be twenty seven twenty three. They'll all, they'll kind of come back, but they won't come all the way back because you're forcing Dak to be pretty much, you know, exceptional and perfect for the second half of the game, and he's just not that type of quarterback. So do you think it was it was um because they had a bye week? I guess they were a little rusty off from the bye. I mean that that could have been. Yeah, well, I mean, different teams come off of bye weeks differently. Some of them come yeah. out rested and well oiled and everything like that, and then some teams come out rusty, like they haven't yeah. had a practice yeah. since they last played. So yeah. well, remember last yeah, I know year. There was- yeah, they were missing Van Der Esch too because he was still at that neck injury, right? Yeah, Leighton Van Der Esch was definitely missing from that defense early in the game, yeah. And you remember yeah. last year, last year they came off the bye right after they got Amari Cooper. They lost at home on Monday Night Football to the Tennessee Titans. They did, you're right. That I mean, was yes, after I'm the bye week. Yes. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they they're, they're a bad team off bye week. Their whole their whole career they're they're bad they're a bad team off the bye week. But yep. the game was entertaining. I mean the the fan was I would say probably sixty forty giant fans, cowboy fans yesterday. So yeah, yeah, that's I the mean, problem. Is when the Cowboys come to town, it's mostly there's a lot of cowboy fans in that stadium. Yeah, but there was there was a lot of giant fans there too yesterday. So I mean it was about sixty forty. Mm-hmm. I would say all right. So, that's fair, but it was it was it was it was entertaining. It was, it was I mean, a couple fights in the stands here and there, but you know that. Hey, hey, there you go. So. Were you in the upper deck? Were you in the upper <laughs> but deck again? I'm six and zero in Giant Stadium, so there you go. See, per- <laughs> right? see, I always had faith, Mike. That yeah, even though we were looking terrible in the first half, I was just like, you know what? Mike from Bayshore is there. And <laughs> I was going to be like, Beave is going to elevate this team. It's. I was. I, I was all on board yesterday. My. I never had any doubt. Yeah, I know. Well, there was a couple of times I thought about tackling Jason Garrett on the field, but I said, ah, that's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. There you but, go. All right, guys. All right. Good talking to you, Mike. Take care, Mike. I, I have a good one. Talk to you soon. All right. Let's go to the news. Inter. Uh, no, not inter. I keep doing that. <laughs> Actual Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. Well, it's actually election day, so don't forget to get out and vote. Are you registered to vote? I am. Are you going to vote? I'll vote. How about you, Evan? Hmm? Uh, yeah, I'll go vote that. My fiance is giving me a look like, yes, you're going to freaking vote. Yeah, you got to vote. God. It's important. That's why you nag. <laughs> she gives me whatever. All right, All right well, what's we, up? we did talk about the Giants and Cowboys, yeah. and uh, I was at Dang Barbecue in Islip watching the game where it was filled with Giants fans except for one other Cowboy fan. So as soon as that cat hit the field, I like to call him Jinxie Cat, mm-hmm. like from um, Meet the Parents. Yeah. That was amazing. But that cat looked mean, right, when he got out Yeah, there? I was telling her. I was watching the game yesterday with my dad, and I was like, "That's that cat looks vicious. Well, I mean, yeah. that's that was like as feral of a cat as you could possibly. He's got to be a badass cat to be in the Meadowlands, right? I yeah. mean, what, what's around there? I think somebody smuggled him in. Yeah. But now he has an Instagram and a Twitter handle. Oh, does he? Does he actually? <laughs> yes. I don't no know. Way. I'm just kidding, but maybe. Oh, that'd yeah. be really funny. But somebody should. I thought somebody created an Instagram like and Twitter a, handle. Someone for him. do a that. GoPro on him. You yeah, know? there you go. <laughs> Get him a GoPro. That would be pretty cool. That would right? be great. But um, and I got to see a wing eating contest. I've never seen people eat barbecue wings faster in my entire life. Really? So they're doing a contest there at halftime. Uh, however many wings you can eat in five minutes. And then at the end of the season, all of the people that won throughout the year compete for a, I think it's $600 PC Richard gift card. Yeah. So, fun place. And I see Evan is wearing his Mets shirt. Is that because you're excited about the new Mets manager? Uh, You know, I'm happy. I'm happy Beltran is a manager. I mean, out of all the remaining options, Bogarts, Perez, uh, Murphy, and Sheldon, uh, I'm happy Beltran is a I think I like Beltran a lot. He's a smart guy. Smart guy, baseball uh, players love him. Uh, teams love him. The Yankees loved him when he was in their front office. The Astros pretty much loved him as kind of like a player coach when he was with the Astros a couple of years ago. He was a player, but they kind of looked, they kind of looked at him as a coach too. Yeah, I can't. Heard I, Mickey? Uh, if you heard Brody Van Wagenen yesterday, yeah, this is the guy this that is, we think is going to take this team to, to, the, next, next to the next level. Come get us, or whatever he said yeah, last year. Come get us. But I will say, as much as I'm happy Beltran is the manager, and I'm also happy Beltran is the manager too because that means he's back with the Mets and maybe a few years from now when he goes into the Hall of Fame and go in as a Met, that means we can retire the number 15. That's another Hall of Famer for the Mets. That'd be nice. 
you know, yeah. is it the guy? Is it the guy you wanted? No, you wanted someone like Girardi. You wanted someone like Dusty Baker. You wanted someone like Buck Showalter. That's what that's what the Mets needed. They needed someone with with a pedigree, with a resume, with winning resume, with a winning resume. That's what they needed. But doesn't it get, help that he was a Met and he was a player? Oh, it helps that he's you know? a Met. It helps that he was. It helps that players love him, teams love him, yeah. managers like Alice Cora, who's a world champion, holds him in high regard. The Yankees hold him in high regard. I hope. Yeah. You know, hey, I like Beltran a lot. I hope this works out. You know. Hopefully, Carlos Beltran will be uh, able to keep Pete Alonso from going into his expected sophomore Sit. slump. Wow. Well, it, wow. he's right. the, the Beatles are in there, Yeah, okay. I'm just got, gonna, I'm just you have such a weird thing I'm with just, Mets fans lately. What is up with you? I'm just going to sit over here basking in the sun with my 27 World Series You rings. have such a weird thing with Mets fans lately. What is going yeah. on with you? I love, how Met, I love how Mets fans will always go at Yankee fans just like, yeah, well, most of your World Series rings, it was in like the, the 18th century or whatever. <laughs> yeah, okay. You want to know? Something funny. You have it ain't a like you're ba- it ain't that. like you're basking in the sun with World Series rings. You've got two, and your last one was in 1986. It's not like you won you, last time in like are 2015. You okay? Like are you, you okay? <laughs> are you okay? Because you are. Are you okay? He's got a weird, weird thing with Mets fans recently. Like yeah. God, I'm so I don't tired know what of you. It, this is like the third week in so a row you've gone on this fans. tirade be, with Mets fans. Just be losers. Well, wow. we can't. Like you were born to be. Well, I mean. Hey, listen, next next week you're, we're going to see DeGrom and Alonzo winning Cy Young Rookie of the Year, so we get to celebrate again. Yeah. At least that. At least we get to celebrate that. Yeah, too bad Pete Alonzo's not going to win Rookie of the Year. And then we got... Who, think, um, who's gonna, wait, who are you guys Rookie of the Year? Uh, it'll probably be Pete Alonzo. I'm just... I'm kidding. Okay. But, I don't know, <laughs> Fernando, Tos, yeah, Fernando Tatis Jr. has a shot. Right. Oh, Tatis is pretty good. I, I could see Tatis probably. And I will give it this. Mike, I, you gotta figure Mike Soroka... Mike Soroka was incredibly good. I mean, hey, he was he was the ace of that brave staff. No, he was. But I will say, I mean, Pete Alonso. I mean, it's hard not to give it to him. The guy had over. The guy broke the single season home run record for yep. rookies. For rookies, it's hard not to give it to him. And then you got um, JD Martinez. He's going to stay a Red Sox. Yeah, that shocked me. Mm. That was really surprising. Yeah. I did not expect that at all. Does yeah. Chain Bloom trade him? No. I mean, yeah. I mean, I Chain. Think so. I, I think you might. Like we said, we're probably we're probably going to see a mini rebuild with the Red Sox. I think they. Tr- I think Betts is as good as gone. Yeah, I agree with that. Mookie Betts is as good as gone, mm. and he's as good as a Dodger. It's going to drive me insane. Uh oh. He's going to go to the Dodgers, <laughs> and they're going to have free, and they're going to trade for Lindor too. So they're what they're going to do is they're going to trade Corey Seager and a couple of prospects for Lindor, and they're going to trade a bunch of prospects for Mookie Betts, and there's going to be the freaking. Bellinger, Betts, Lindor, Muncie, Turner, Taylor, Pollock. I'm like, I'm going to throw up. Ridiculous. Are you getting chest pains? What's happening? Yes, that's exactly what's going on. (laughs) All right. That's the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. All right. Top 10 teams in the NFL. Coming up next, the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hour number two. Mike, Evan, Monica here with you. All right, let's do it. Evan, what do we got? Top 10 NFL teams, week nine. Here we go. Number 10, Buffalo. Uh, look, I, I'm. I'm trying to keep my faith as much as I possibly can. There are some weeks where they cannot score points. 
but there are also weeks where their defense takes over. They can dominate the football. They run the ball really well. They don't allow teams to get back into the games. That's their identity. So Buffalo can win games. They can even win a playoff game, in my opinion. They just they got to win it in that particular way. They've got to win by controlling the ball, running the game, uh, running the football, and then playing hard nosed defense, which is what they've been able to do basically all season long. They sit at six and two right now, coming off the win against Washington. They go to Cleveland. Going to be an interesting game there, but their two losses did come against New England and Philadelphia. So we'll see how this goes. But right now, Buffalo sits at number ten. Number nine, uh, Minnesota. I've gotten a little bit sour on them lately, uh, especially after this week. They took a really disappointing loss to Kansas City at Arrowhead. Uh, This was a game that they probably should have won. Now, Kirk Cousins did not necessarily play poorly, but he also didn't play great. 50% completion percentage. He threw three touchdowns, um, but no Adam Thielen. Stephon Diggs had his worst game as a Viking. One catch, four yards. It just wasn't a good game. Dalvin Cook struggled. It was just an all-around mess for the Vikings. Now, like I said, I think Minnesota could be really good if they get what they paid for with Kirk Cousins. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I just don't. Minnesota, if can they get, get that on a consistent basis? They've lost three games, but all to get all the teams that they could beat but didn't. Green Bay, Chicago, and now Kansas City. I want to see a little bit more out of the Vikings, a little bit more consistency, and then I'll buy into them a little bit more. Their roster's still fantastic. It all depends on what Kirk Cousins they get. They're number nine. Uh, Number eight, Houston. Uh, This is a team that I continue to have more and more faith in. Here's my problem with this. Is their roster's really banged up? I don't love their secondary. Uh, They lost J.J. Watt for the year, so their pass rush definitely took a hit. Offensive line is good at points, but can be inconsistent. But this is a team that wins a lot of football games. They win a lot of football games. They go into the bye this week, week number 10. They uh, lost against Carolina, lost against New Orleans, lost against Indianapolis. They've beaten all the teams that they should have beaten. Now, I'm really in on Deshaun Watson. I think right now he's one or two in the MVP race. But how consistent can their offensive line be at protecting him? Because when they protect him, they win. When they allow the, uh, the pass rush to allow more pressure, that's when they struggle. So can they, against playoff teams, hold off legitimate pass rushers and protect Deshaun Watson? If they can, they're going to be really successful down the stretch. They're number eight. Uh, number seven, Dallas. Now, I... I'm really hesitant to put the Cowboys here and this high because I don't know if they're a Super Bowl team. I think they're incredibly talented. I think when they get out to an early lead and when they're healthy, they're really, really good. They have a great roster. And like I said, when everybody's healthy, this is a team that can win a lot of football games. The problem is is that they're not always healthy and they don't always get out to an early lead. So I, I think that they struggle against teams that they shouldn't struggle against. Uh, they won three in a row, lost two, uh, lost three in a row, and now they're back to winning two in a row, five and three on the year. Now they go home to play Minnesota on Sunday Night Football. That's a statement game. You've absolutely got to win that football game in your own building. So you've got to prove to people that you can beat good football teams. 
You know, you're kind of like New England. You've got to beat good football teams. And you've played pretty good football teams and lost. You lost New Orleans. You lost to Green Bay. You lost to the New York Jets. And somehow, I don't know how you did that. But Dak Prescott's the kind of quarterback that will be average for you. He'll rely on your talent early, but then he'll be the guy you rely on late. You'd rather him rely on the talent early, get out to that early lead, and control the rest of the game. So Dallas is number seven. Number six, Kansas City. Now, I, I, they've had a really nice couple of weeks. I, I Look, I, I know they lost to Green Bay with Matt Moore, but beating Minnesota with Matt Moore, I think is really serious. And it says a lot about Andy Reid as a coach. The guy's brilliant. He's just brilliant. And Patrick Mahomes should be coming back. Kansas City's defense, since Mahomes has come back, has actually played better. Uh, This is a team that can win a lot of football games. So we'll see how this goes. They go at Tennessee next week. Uh, That's a game they should win. And I think they're going to get Patrick Mahomes back. Firepower offense, which controls the league right now. But their defense, the last couple of weeks, has actually held up the end of the bargain. They take a little bit of a jump. Kansas City is number six. Number five, Evan Baltimore. And you're going to think, what the hell? They're not better than the Chiefs. Right now, I feel a little bit more comfortable in Baltimore than I do in Kansas City. I trust their defense more. I trust their secondary more. And to be honest with you, offensively, they are very unpredictable. Lamar Jackson knows how to win games by improvising. He knows how to beat good AFC teams. I mean, this win against New England was huge. It was huge. And you blew out New England. So... Say what you want about Lamar Jackson. He can't throw the ball. He's only a running quarterback. He's winning games. And to be honest with you, he's making the plays when he's got to. Baltimore right now, 6-2 and two on the year. They're sitting pretty. Solid defense. Great offensive line. And Lamar Jackson right now is a top five MVP candidate. How can you not like Baltimore? And they're brilliantly coached. John Harbaugh is great. Baltimore Ravens, they're number five. Number four. Green Bay Packers, I feel like they've just kind of stalemated themselves as the number four team. And I know they took an ugly loss this week to the L.A. Chargers in Los Angeles. But my problem is, is that every team's got that ugly loss. They've lost at home to Philadelphia and at Los Angeles. But they've beaten Kansas City. They've beaten Detroit. They've beaten Minnesota. They've beaten Chicago. They've beaten Dallas. This is a team that's beaten good teams in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, their relationship is still going. They Right now, it still seems a little bit soft and buttery. And defensively, I give them credit. They've really built a nice defense. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith have been great pass rushers. Adrian Amos has been really nice as a safety. They drafted really well. They drafted an interior offensive lineman named Elton Jenkins, who's making the entire world different for Aaron Rodgers. He's making a world of a difference. And I, I noticed this. Wide receivers are really touchy subject in Green Bay. Their offense was rolling the past number of weeks without Devontae Adams. And now they go they get Devontae Adams this back this week, and they can't put the ball in the end zone. I wonder how that works. They've got to kind of iron that out. But Green Bay right now is number four. Number three, New England. And I get the people are going to say, oh, come on, you're dropping them. That's not fair. It, it absolutely is fair. The two times that they've played a legitimate team this year, 
They've struggled. They've struggled. They played awful against both against Buffalo, but still won. And they played poorly against Baltimore and got blown out. So I I think I'm in my right here to say I'm a little worried about New England. I'm a little worried about the Patriots. They're eight and one. They're still going to be the play make the playoffs. They're probably still going to get a first round bye. They're going to win the division. But I see true digression from Tom Brady. This is a very defense-heavy team, and they don't do well against guys that improvise and go off script. So I'm a little worried about the Patriots. I'm not going to say that they're not going to be okay. But I'm also not going to say, oh, they're, well, they're, 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 they're New England, they're, they're going to be fine. No, I'm not that kind of guy. I see mistakes, and I see troubles. I'm going to tell you what they are, and I'm docking New England for it. The Patriots are number three. This was really tough. Number two, I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers. The only undefeated team left. Jimmy Garoppolo has played nice football. He hasn't been great, but he's played really nice football. Thursday night, he absolutely torched Arizona in their own building. I I think right now, Kyle Shanahan may as well, aside from Bill Belichick, might might right now be the best coach in football. He is just unbelievable schematically, strategically. They are so, so on the same page. They've got talent on that roster. They have receivers. They've, they run the ball incredibly well. That front seven on their defense is the best in the NFL. This is a dangerous football team. San Francisco went from having the number two overall pick in the draft last year to now being the only undefeated team left in the league this year. That, and listen, it's not like they're beating nobody's. Beat Tampa, beat Cleveland, beat the Rams, beat Carolina, beat Arizona, who's playing good football. That San Francisco's beating real football teams. Now they go to they're they're at home against Seattle this week. It's going to be a fun one. It's Monday Night Football, so we'll see how that goes. But I like San Francisco right now as the number two team in the NFC and the number two team in football, and that leaves. The best team in football, in my opinion, and it is by an absolute hair right now, is the New Orleans Saints. They're really good. Drew Brees is back. Their offense looked a little bit better. I wouldn't say a ton better, but a little bit better uh, with Drew Brees than it did with Teddy Bridgewater. Their defense still stayed on track. Coming off the bye this week, they go home. They play Atlanta. I expect this team to be rolling on all cylinders. They stop the run. They're good in the secondary. I Look, I think they could have used another receiver, but Michael Thomas and whoever else they've got over there are carrying the load well enough. They're deep at running back. Latavius Murray, they're winning games without Alvin Kamara. They have a great offensive line, extremely well coached Sean Payton. Uh, New Orleans right now is the team I have the most faith in right now. New Orleans is my number one team. So there we go. Wow. Just to recap for you, Buffalo at 10. Minnesota at 9, Houston at 8, Dallas at 7, Kansas City at 6, Baltimore at 5, Green Bay at 4, New England at 3, San Francisco at 2, and then New Orleans is at 1. All right. All right. There we go. Top 10 teams in the NFL after week 9. What do we think, Ev? I think you nailed it well. I think the four teams are are right. It's New England, New Orleans – San Fran and Green, uh, Bay. Green Bay. Yeah, <clears throat> I would still say New England. If you want, you know, yeah, New England. New England's interesting because I'm interested to see 
I still think they're going to be. I still think that the best team in the AFC, despite what happened on Sunday, I still think the road goes by them. The road's going to go by them in the AFC playoffs. I agree. Fox, they're the best they're team in the AFC still. So, um, and we'll see. But I guess we'll see how good they are because here we go. Their schedule is at Philly this Sunday. Actually, no, I'm sorry. They're on a bye. So next Sunday, then they play the Cowboys at home uh, the following week. Then they play Houston on the road. Then Kansas City at home. So we'll see how we'll see how well I guess we'll see how good the Patriots really are. I still th- I still think they're really good. I still think their defense is fantastic. The Patriots, despite how bad, despite how the Ravens played on Sunday, the Ravens played extremely well. New England was very uncharacteristic on Sunday, jumping on fourth and goal, Edelman fumbling penalties. It was a very uncharacteristic Patriots day on that that night. So I still think they're they're still I still am not concerned with them. But if they do lose a couple of these games, like Philly, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City. Then maybe I'll be like, okay, maybe the, maybe this New England team's in a bit of trouble here once we hit the playoff picture. Uh, New Orleans, Green Bay, San Fran, right? That's the three best teams in the NFC right now. That's that that is Dallas is a dist- a distant fourth. A oh, distant take fourth. it easy over there. No, they're, they're, <laughs> Dallas is really Dallas is pretty darn good. It's it, but they are right now to those other three teams in the NFC a distant fourth. But no, you're talented. right. They're they talented. Are. They really they're, are. They're a distant fourth. In Dallas is a distant fourth. And there was a point in the year, like I said, that I thought they were the best team in the NFC, and that's just not the case right well, now. And again, they lost to the Saints on the road to, to Bridgewater in, on the road. That was a tough loss. They got beat up by Green Bay, and that's something they really have to figure out. They really gonna have, they're going to have to figure out getting by the Packers and Aaron Rodgers one day. It's, it, in order for the Cowboys to get to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to get by the Packers. It's just, that's just how it is. Yeah. So, and the, the Ravens and the Chiefs. The Ravens, Chiefs, and Texas. Now, the Ravens play the Bengals, but the following week they play the Texans. So we'll find out uh, in Baltimore. So we'll find out about that game. That'll be an interesting game to watch. Ravens are going to crush the Bengals. Oh, they'll, uh, yeah, I, gonna, I, they'll, they'll gonna, take care. They'll take care now. They're going to take care of the Bengals. Now they are going to go on. Now it is a road game, coming off a big emotional home win. So I could see the Ravens maybe starting off a little bit slow in that game. But well, I do think the Ravens should should take care of business in this one against. Well, the I, I'll be honest with you. The Ravens, I think, already won the division. The Ravens already won the division this year. I I, I think I would agree with that. They've already won the division. Now, Pittsburgh is still hanging around. Baltimore gets Cincinnati this week. Cleveland gets Buffalo in Cleveland. Who's Pittsburgh have? I don't care. Pittsburgh's got no shot. (laughs) I don't care. I'm just saying, they're hanging hanging around, so. I know, but they're not going to make the playoffs. Pittsburgh is. Definitely. Oh, they they get the Rams this Sunday, so. They're going to lose to the Rams. All right. uh, There we go. Top 10 teams in the NFL after week nine. So, coming up next. We got him on every Tuesday. Speedy Petey, the producer producer of virtually every show on this network, our football guru. He's coming up next. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Good to have you back. It's our number two. Uh, this drop should have been played the last break, but I'm glad we're on the same page, Evan. Uh, Mike Guido, Ooh. Evan Mazza, my producer. Ouch. Feel the burn. I mean, Big J <laughs> Journalist, Monica Ray, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. I mean, I w- we did start a little late. Yeah, I know, but we're kind of back on track. We're slowly getting back on track. All right. Uh, I want to bring in a guy that knows a lot more about NFL football than I do. Uh, producer of virtually everything on this show, our football guru, Speedy Petey. Speedy, what's up, my man? Well, result could have been better for yesterday's game for me, but besides that. Uh, yeah, see. Too bad. It was great for us. Yeah, one Woo-hoo! of our resident Giant fans. Yeah, so we do live in New York. 
We do live in New York, everybody, so keep this in mind. Uh, okay, so, Speedy, I, I, I was talking a little bit about this this morning because Dallas goes into MetLife and takes a game from the Giants, and it was one of those rare games where they fell behind and were actually able to come back. I feel like Dallas's identity lies in, all right, get an early lead and then control the game with your talent, run the football, bend, don't break, defense, that kind of thing. Usually when they fall behind early, it's tough for them to come back. Uh, how do you view the Dallas Cowboys, and what is, what's their identity? Do, can we even figure that out yet? Well, one of the teams they can come back on with their current identity is the Giants because they can run the football still from behind because the Giants' run defense has been that bad. I believe they were third or fourth worst coming into the week. So they could still stay balanced. They were never down enough where it was. I had to pass all the time kind of thing. They did a passing touchdowns and passing big plays for sure, especially on those slant routes and skinny posts. You saw both Cooper and Gallup escape after the catch, but it was still mainly a running second half, really, and even the end of the second quarter. So it wasn't really that far behind where they were, quote-unquote, required to pass. They still could run, and matchup-wise, you still probably do run against that Giants team, which is third or fourth worst against the run. Yeah, I I, I think that there's a um, – I, I think that you're right about that. If there's a team that Dallas can beat with that – you know, without that identity, it is a team like the New York Giants right now. They've owned them over the past three years. So uh, I, let's get into this. So Baltimore, they give New England their first loss. Uh, I uh, Look, I, I've always been kind of up and down on Baltimore. I'm at my high point with Baltimore right now. I think they're really, really good. I think they're the second best team in the AFC, and you were the, you were the guy that told me that that was the case. And mm-hmm. New England, uh, look, I'm coming away from Sunday night thinking New England has legitimate problems. Brady struggles to make the play when he has to go off script, and the New England defense, this historic New England defense, has the same problem they've had in years past where they have trouble defending guys that improvise. They have trouble defending guys that go off script. They're really great when they game plan for guys, but when they go off the script, they struggle. How do you view the Patriots? How do you feel about them today as opposed to how you felt about them maybe before Sunday night? Uh, I wouldn't call it that much of an overreaction. I always said they struggle against running quarterbacks, so that didn't surprise me. And both Lamar Jackson and the running backs and the play calling did do a good job improvising, and that's something you just have to give them credit for. In order to beat the Patriots, you need to be tricky. You need to be unconventional with your play calling at times, and the Ravens did a great job at that. So I'm not really going to knock the Patriots for it. I think the Patriots made some adjustments than they had to, and the Ravens just continued to adjust. It was just a really good coaching war. And when I looked at the Patriots and everyone was hyping their undefeated season, this was one of the losses I could have seen them having. I considered picking it and not going with it because I wasn't sure when Lamar Jackson would be in prime time, but Lamar Jackson was phenomenal. So... That was one of the games I saw them losing. It's a road game and an identity that's always played well against the Patriots in the past. Physical corners, very good outside wrestling defense, very tricky conceptual defense as well. And and this kind of offense is, again, always something the Patriots have struggled with. Cam Newton has had big games against them in the past. Uh, Russell Wilson 
even though they lost that Super Bowl, had a big game in that one. So they've always done well against running-type quarterbacks. They've always struggled against running-type quarterbacks. And Lamar Jackson was the latest of that bunch to do well. I don't really think that shows anything about the Patriots. They're still a phenomenal team. It's just the Ravens game-planned better, they executed better, and they were mentally ready for the spotlight off the bye week. And it was just a great job all around. I think it was just a great coaching job by the Ravens. It was, again, Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick. They just, again, had the wrong pieces and wrong counter game plan, I guess. Uh, so, uh, speaking of the Ravens, the AFC North, Cleveland loses to Denver. I know that Pittsburgh got a win this weekend against Indianapolis, but I don't really see them as a legitimate contender. I, I view the AFC North as it's kind of over. The Baltimore Ravens are going to win this division. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I've felt that way for quite a while now. With Cleveland losing too many close games, Cleveland losing too many games they should win kind of thing, it seems like it's going to be very obviously the Ravens. It, it's four games between those two teams, and while Cleveland does have a lighter schedule in the second half, again, they've lost a lot of those games, too, so they're just kind of tough to trust right now. The Ravens, they beat the Patriots. They don't have a tremendous amount of hard games left, and if they do, they're at home. So you, I would agree. I think it's really over. Now it's just a matter of do they get a two-seed, or if the Patriots lose another game to the Eagles, then... Who knows? The Ravens win out. I don't know. I don't know. There could be a one seed in the spotlight. I don't know. I don't think it happens. But a two seed definitely is going to buy is something that could be interesting for sure for the Ravens because their schedule is easy enough where they could do it. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think this division's pretty much wrapped up. Uh, so I want to move on to Baker Mayfield. They obviously lose to Denver in Denver this week. They fall to two and six. I think they're really they're 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 not going to make the playoffs. I think it'd be a really uphill battle, and they'd have to pretty much go perfect for the rest of the year uh, in order for them to make the playoffs. But I compared Baker Mayfield this morning to Peyton Manning because I'm watching his commercial, Speedy, and he's funny. And this is a guy that's likable. He's he's great for progressive and on camera. But whenever he's in front of the media, it just it makes it so he makes it so hard for us to like him. But why is it that Baker Mayfield is just so? Uh, why doesn't he get it? Like what? Uh, that's really my question to you. Why doesn't Baker Mayfield just take the guy that's in the commercials that's funny and? translate that in front of reporters because if he was that, the guy would virtually be Peyton Manning. Well, Peyton Manning is, that personality is always translated well and that's why he has done a lot of commercials and he's always been that funny guy. I mean, those commercials for Baker are, yeah, they're, they're fine. They're, I would say they're a real light of his personality. I think him being a younger guy, his personality is still on that other side more where if he gets criticized, I guess, I mean, he's going to fight back. We've seen the Twitter wars he's had, the Twitter wars involving him. So he's always been outspoken. And unfortunately, sometimes that has led to slip-ups and those are something that he's going to have to clean up if he wants to just act more like a professional so, again, that's really on him when it comes to reporters. 
a, a press conference and a commercial are very different things because it's, it's not really something where you can let out your personality as much in a press conference, unless, again, you're trying to make a one funny remark, but a lot of times that doesn't happen at press conferences with just the nature of the questions either. So right. referring to that, it's kind of tough in those kinds of instances to let that kind of personality out. But at the same time, I think Baker's had too many questionable slip-ups with reporters that that's something that you need to mature at. I mean, he's young, so he doesn't time, but still. I, he's really the only younger quarterback right now that I've seen have an issue with that. Yeah, it, it really is interesting in that. Let's, I want to move on to this Green Bay Charger game, right? So the Chargers, your favorite team, uh, pretty, had control. That's right. <laughs> this, uh, they, but I'll tell you what, Speedy, they, they took control of the Packers. They absolutely controlled this game against the Packers the entire way through. And this is the thing I don't understand with the Chargers, right? They, they can give up a 24 spot to a guy like Devlin Hodges and then virtually shut out Aaron Rodgers all day. But I'm less worried about the Chargers. I don't think they're a playoff team. Green Bay, this is a bad loss for Green Bay. Are you concerned about them at all? No, no, I still think they're very good. I mean, it's just uh, maybe they took the game plan for granted and trusted their talent too much. I think the Chargers game plan with what they did. Alan Gordon played great. They knew that the Green Bay and more smaller corners, they game planned a lot with Mike Williams. But I think that was just a good game plan. Like Green Bay just trusted their talent. And their defense had some trouble. Their offense definitely had some trouble. Their offensive line was overperforming much of the year. Came back down to earth finally. And same with the Chargers' pass rush. Their pass rush was struggling much of the year, more than expected with those two talented pass rushers. And it finally came back to life. So it just really just averaged out in one particular matchup. And they got the best of it. Casey Hayward, I think, as well, knowing the Green Bay Packers playing there, probably had some influence of that pass defense. I'm surprised the other corners were able to catch on with the whole game because I said when I was doing my picks that T.C. Hayward would lock down one side and do it well, knowing Aaron Rodgers and what he likes to do, but I wasn't sure if the other corners could compensate, but they did. Desmond King had his best game of the year, and the safeties played well, too. So I, I Again, I give the Chargers more credit. I'm not really worried about Green Bay. The NFC team so far uh, really decides the Saints and obviously the 49ers are undefeated. They've all had their weird loss so far. The Vikings lost the Chiefs with Matt Moore quarterback. So. Right. Uh, it's it's interesting, Speed. Now, I, yeah, so I, I'm not really worried about them. I think it's just a win the Chargers need and their, their stars finally showed up. All right, so let's uh, let's do this, Speedy. So, uh, as as the way that you see it right now, who's the best team in the NFL? The Saints. I think it's still the Saints. I I've said that they that win against the Bears really proved a lot to me. And the way they they won in Seattle, they had a fought they fought off a good Jacksonville defense. That was even before they traded Jalen Ramsey with Teddy Bridgewater. And now what you saw with them against Arizona with Drew Brees proves that just how, how complete their offense is and just how complete their team is in general. Their defense had to win a lot of games. And that was with some of them with even out Alvin Kamara. So I think they are the best team in the NFL right now. I know the 49ers have been phenomenal too. 
I still trust the Saints' talent more, and I still trust if the Saints get the one seed, I still trust them more in the playoffs. And the difference right now is the Saints have a home game against the 49ers if it comes down to tiebreaker scenarios, if those are the top two seeds. So I really still trust them more as a whole. I think Sean Payton has done a really good job with this team, and I think those receivers after Michael Thomas will come to life eventually, now that Breeze is back too. Whereas 49ers receivers, they've had all season to do that, and besides some spurts from Debo Samuel and now from Emmanuel Sanders, they really haven't had that from their receivers. And they have everything else that they need to do in their offense, pass catching running backs, obviously George Pittle being phenomenal, but the Saints really, I think, have everything right now, and I still think I would give them the slight edge just because they have more talent and more depth. All right, Speedy, uh, last thing before I let you go, I ask you this every single week. Uh, going into next week, week 10, we've got a lot of teams on buys, Houston, New England, Philadelphia, you know, of the sorts. What is, what's the game and what are the things that we've got to look forward to next week? Well, I think both the primetime games are definitely candidates for that. Vikings, Cowboys, and Seahawks, and 49ers. I think Seahawks 49ers is probably still the bigger one. Rivalry game. Monday Night Football, these two teams have been very well coached. I've said many times the 49ers are the best conceptual team of football. The Seahawks are not far behind, though. They use a lot of creative concepts with their offense as well. And obviously, Pete Carroll's always done it with their defense, too. It'll be interesting to see if the long week benefits the 49ers or hurts their momentum. It's going to be very interesting with that. And Seattle coming off that shootout win against the Buccaneers where they end up changing, uh, how, that, how that ends up affecting them and how they end up changing defensively. So it's definitely interesting. I think it'll be a very close game, a rivalry game that we saw in the early part of this decade. Those two teams dominate the league for quite a while, with, especially on defense. So it'll be very interesting, I think, with those two teams and just how they've changed so much to see how this rivalry now fares out. Because Seattle's obviously been the better team for quite a while while the Niners were pretty bad, and now the Niners are great. So it's definitely going to be interesting. And you know Seattle, even on the road, is going to be hungry. And I think now that we've, well, we've seen this year, people are going to throw out the Seattle bat on the road. They're undefeated on the road, and yet, oddly enough, left twice at home. So right. they could definitely go into San Francisco and win. So... All right, Speedy Petey, producer of every, pretty much every show on this network, our football guru. We bring him on every Tuesday. Speedy, thanks, bud. Yep, thank you. All right, Speedy Petey, good to have him on. Um, we were having a little bit of audio stuff going on with him. It was a very, it, I, it's probably something on his end, I would imagine. Uh, but all right, let's go to the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. All right. I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, Jermaine Whitehead was cut from the Cleveland Browns because he threatened to kill some fans on social media after they lost on Sunday. And, of course, it's the Cleveland Browns, right? Yeah. So that, that's the funny part. He said Odell, he would, Baker, he would, this kid. Nice. He would fight them, shoot them, and kill them. So. Lovely. When you say those things, you get cut, at least by the Cleveland Browns. Well, yeah, the, uh, Cleveland did the right thing, though. you got to get rid of the guy. Yeah, I mean. You absolutely got to get rid of the guy. Who knows what's going to happen. He probably would have choked out that uh, that black cat, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, I, I don't understand. I don't either. Like, 
the people that troll you on social media are just trolls. Right. Like, they don't mean anything to you. Why do you have to care? Like, and listen, I, I understand when people come at me on Twitter, there are some times where I'm just like, mm, I just so badly want to put him in his place. But most of the time, I don't. I just kind of leave it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've done it once, and I've actually regretted it. Like, I actually didn't like that I did that. Well, you got to remember, it's out there, you know, forever. They actually, Twitter did suspend his account so that he can't respond to any of his haters. Yeah, that's what I heard, is so, that they suspended him. Yeah. And then there's also a rumor floating around, reported by The Athletic, that the L.A. Chargers may move to London. How yeah, work, how in the know? world are they going to make that work? I don't know. So, like, I saw this thing this morning where the Chargers would move to the AFC East. I think they said the Dolphins would move to the AFC South. Right. And the Texans would get shifted over to the AFC West. So the divisional thing is is interesting. But I do want to say this. Do you really want to throw a team in London, force players and families to move to themselves move. Yeah. to London... I mean, I mean that's that's a lot. I, I mean, and you're asking other te- other like other road teams also to go to London to travel to London for a game. Right. Like I know, and they do it now. Obviously, they've been doing it a lot this year. But if you had a team, there would be literally a team that was based out of London. Right now, I, I, in fairness, I think if they were going to do this with a team, it would probably make sense that it would be the Chargers because they're the team that doesn't really draw much fans here. And if London is interested in football, they would automatically draw the London fans and they'd make more money. Right. But that's... I don't understand how that works. I I don't see how the players' union would feel about that. Yeah. Right? I mean, the players' union would be like, well, you're expecting all of our players to move all their families over to London. Right. You're you're making them, like, shift their lives. Like, Like, imagine getting traded. Like, if you got traded to the Chargers... Or if you Bloody were working, you were working out for the Chargers, and then you get cut. Like it's just you're going back and forth from London. I mean, yeah. that's that's a lot. I don't know. That's a big. A I don't. Deal. Yeah, I'm, I don't know about that. And then um, there's been some talk about who has the best defense: the 49ers or the Patriots in the NFL. The Probably big, New England. You think New England? Probably New England. Yeah. I mean, like. Like I said, I've had my questions about New England. They really struggled this past week, but I still think it's New England. I do still think it's New England. I I mean, you know, that front seven in San Francisco is scary, though, but that secondary with New England, I think right now is clearly the best in the NFL. So, New England, I mean, New England is scoring points more than certain offenses. Right. You know, this is still a historic defense, so I would still say it's New England, yeah. And and this story's for Evan because he gave all of us a French fry here at Ray's Cafe. <laughs> and I wasn't hungry until I had the French fry, and now I'm hungry. But can you guess what is the longest French fry recorded oh in the Guinness Book of World Records? Oh, no. 10,000 feet. <laughs> I've got it out. Not everything is 10,000. All right, Evan, what do you Longest think? French fry? Yeah. 10,000 inches. <laughs> I'll say two feet long. Well, that the former record was two feet long. Oh, that was the former record. It was from an Arby's. It was a curly fry from an Arby's. And oh, was it? The new record is uh, in Buffalo at Taffy's Hot Dog Stand, a 34-inch curly fry. 
It went on the Tonight Almost Show. Almost three feet. Yeah, it went on the Tonight Show, and the the patron who purchased the fry and the gentleman who runs the establishment are de- trying to determine if they want to sell it and who would get who would get the yeah, majority right. of the money. And how do you insure a French fry? Why would you insure a French fry? I, they feel like it has some some. It's <laughs> some a French fry. Just make another one. <laughs> no, wait, where Seriously, is this a buffalo? grab a bunch of potato, grab a sack of potatoes, it's, uh, and it's, build one big French fry again. Where's this buffalo? It's uh, Taffy's hot dog stand. So it was a a curly fry. So for safekeeping, it's in his freezer now until they decide if they're going to sell it make or sure, eat it. I'll make sure to or check. eat it. I don't know how long a French fry would keep in a freezer. You're, you're looking at me just like, Probably no, don't eat it. So don't Previous eat it. Previous record was an Arby's. I gotta, I've, I've never had an Arby's. I actually have to check out Arby's. Well, Arby's has, what, trigger burgers. Trigger the horse. We have they the meats. <laughs> There's no Arby's on Long Island, is yeah, there? Yeah, there is. There is. Where? It's in... There's, um, there's actually one in Center Reach now, like right across the street from McDonald's. Really? Yeah, there yeah. is. And I think that there's one in... Uh, Massapequa? I think so, yeah. Huh. I think so. Massapequa. They have everything in Massapequa. They have a Dairy Queen in Massapequa, uh, Massapequa too. No, uh, I'm sorry. It's not Massapequa. It's Levittown. Uh, they have one yeah. in Levittown. All right. All right. Now, Nassau County has everything. Yeah. They have an Untucket store. They have an huh. store. All the way out in you know the sticks we get, here. We you don't have You know what we everything. get here? We get, like, Walmart. <laughs> that's what we get. Nothing is Walmart, but that's all we got around here. Right. And you got a new... We, I need some variety in my life. You got a new Untucket shirt on. I do. Yeah. I do. Got my bold prediction wrong. You don't like this one as much. I like the collar. I like, I like a dressier man. Just saying. I see. But you look good. I mean, I know. I, I'm dashing. <laughs> God almighty. All right, that's the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. Coming up next, absolutely loaded today. Uh, So coming up next, good teams and great teams can both have good players and good coaches. But this one thing is what separates them. That's next. The Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Hour number three. It's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Mike Guido, Evan, uh, Evan Mazza, my producer. Monica Ray, Big J Journalist. Good to have you in here on a Tuesday, rainy old Tuesday. You know, I, Monica, I am extremely, I, like, I'm severely affected by weather. Yeah. Like, my mood shifts so much based on weather. Like, it's actually pretty bad. But don't you like the seasons? You know, if every day was the same, wouldn't it be boring? If every day was beautiful and sunny? No, I would love that. But don't you appreciate it more? Like, tomorrow, hopefully, the sun will be out, and you'll be like, wow, the sun's out. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Nah, that's overrated. That's overrated. <laughs> I love the seasons. I love the change of the seasons. Well, hey, I listen, I don't mind. I don't mind the leaves coloring, and I don't mind. That's okay with you. No, I, that oh, I don't right. mind. That I don't mind. Thank I, God, I'm tree, okay the with. Checked with you. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay with 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 coloring of the leaves. I'm okay, okay. with Check. the temperature changing. I, I'm I'm cool Check. with that. All right. But I hate when it's cloudy, and I hate when it rains. I even like when it snows. Like it's uh, like I can I can deal with snow. I love rain. Snow. Rain yeah. is rain and grayness are just really depressing. What about when it's thunder and lightning, I love that. 
I used to sit on my grandmother's porch down down south, and uh, we would down watch, south. We would watch the lightning storms, and they were incredible. Mm. And the rain. Not yeah. gonna lie, I would I would I do that too sometimes. Yeah. Like when there's lightning, I, I kind of just like to watch. I like to sit and watch the lightning. I don't right. know. I find I find that like yeah. lightning scares me too much. Yeah. Well. I hide under the covers. You know what I wanted to ask you? Did you do your homework? No. Oh my god. He's had he's had a week. Yeah, Monica's gonna he's walk out right now. now. Didn't did watch Anchorman. Mike's fiance is here, so we gave him some homework, which was to watch Anchorman. And he hasn't done it. I think he's the only guy that I know that's never seen Anchorman. All right. Oh my god. Guys, I have to guys I have I have to Both you guys have to see it. I have to break some news. Uh oh. I have to break some news and then we'll get into it. What's going on? Minshew Mania is over. Foles is the starter now. Nick, Nick Foles will be starting for the for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's on. I, I totally get it. I totally get it. They paid Foles the contract. Minshew has done a fine job coming in, you know. But it's Foles. It's Foles' gig. Foles is Foles is the guy. No more Minshew mania. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, let's get into this. A lot of what makes good teams in the NFL is how good you are, how good your players are, how good your coaches are, your game plan. You know, if you have good players and good coaches, chances are you're good. Pretty simple. But for great teams, it has a lot to do with when you're good. Are you good early? Are you good late? Do you struggle early and force yourself to come back? Great teams usually have an identity of when they're good. One thing I've noticed about the Cowboys is that they're incredibly talented in every unit of their team, but they fall behind early a lot. I've noticed a trend with the Cowboys. They're incredible when they lead early in games. They can control the clock. The defense's bend don't break. They can serve Dak a little bit. They don't give teams a chance to come back when Dallas gets out to a lead. But when they're behind early, it's really tough for them to come back. It's a really tough battle back for the Cowboys. They force Dak to be virtually perfect down the stretch, and he just isn't that type of quarterback. You can't expect him to do that. You know, this is the primary reason why I think the Cowboys have to upgrade at coach. The first 10 to 12 plays of the game need to be flawless yeah. most of the time in order for this team to be legit contenders. They can't afford first play interceptions because the defense knew it was coming. Dak Prescott isn't Russell Wilson. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Deshaun Watson. He needs a lot of talent around him and an early lead. Dak needs to get coached into an early lead. It's pretty simple. When they get at, when they get out ahead, they're good. When they play from behind, it's tough for them. Now, people have a hard time buying into the Cowboys because they rely on a lot of things to go their way in order for them to be successful. And I get that, but the truth is they need to rely Dak Prescott needs to rely on the talent of the Cowboys to get uh, for them to have an early lead. But have you noticed that it's the other, it flips when it's the other way around? The Cowboys rely on Dak to bring them back if they fall behind. It's so Dak will rely on the talent to get uh, to get up early. But when it comes to late down the stretch, it, this is Dak now. Dak's got to make the play. The Cowboys last night played a very sloppy brand of football 
and they were fortunate that the Giants, with a rookie quarterback, unraveled late. But against playoff teams, you're not going to be able to make those mistakes and, st- and still win, let alone win by 20. There's no question about Dallas's talent. It's always been about when that talent is going to show up. You know, they, they have a quarterback like Dak Prescott who at times struggles to make plays down the field, can sometimes make bad reads, and a coaching staff that can at some points get really predictable and have a very bland opening script. That's the Cowboys' identity right now is they've got to get out early. If they're not flawless early, they struggle. I like the Cowboys, but right now I'm not sure how confident I am in their Super Bowl hopes. I don't really know. They're good because they have good players on all level of all levels of both sides of the football, right? Running back, great. Offensive line, great. Pass rushers, linebackers, secondary. They're great in all of those areas. But that's it. That's all I can give them is they're good. They're just good because situationally they're a little stale and they're inconsistent on when those good players perform. I think, I, I think diagnosing the Cowboys has become relatively simple. They're very reliant on getting on top early. If they get behind, it forces Dak to make magic, and that more often than not won't be the case. And then they lose the game. And then especially against top-tier teams in the NFC, they've got to get out early. They've got to get out to an early lead and hold on to it. That's their identity. That's how they've got to win games. Okay. I want to shift to this. I'm going to say something that you'd never expect to hear. But the more I thought about this, the more I think that these two quarterbacks are more alike than we think. Baker Mayfield is like Peyton Manning. Or at least... He should be like Peyton Manning. So my dad and I are both Cowboy fans, and we have a really good relationship. We're like best friends. We watch football together. And we're watching the game last night, and a Baker Mayfield commercial comes on. And it's one of those, it's one of those commercials where it kind of looks like he's living at the stadium and, you know, he lives there with his wife and he's got to go across the field and get him the, get her the iced tea. And then he forgets the straw and he's mowing the grass, whatever. It's funny. And at the end of it, We're both laughing hysterically. These commercials are really, really funny. And I'm looking at my dad, and I'm I'm like, you know, Baker Mayfield is incredibly funny and likable in these commercials. Why isn't he actually like this? Instead, he's condescending, he's aggressive, he's snarky, he's not what you want your quarterback to be. But I never doubted Baker's personality. He can make people laugh. The problem is that Peyton Manning was exactly like Baker. D- smart, really talented, you know, hysterically funny with a big personality. That was Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning's commercials are all incredible. All the commercials he does with Brad Paisley. I mean, that SNL skit he did about, uh, what was it, the, the Peyton Manning day camp, spend time with your kids so Peyton Manning doesn't. I mean, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. When Peyton got in front of the media, it was never snarky or cringy. Peyton was always likable. He was the Peyton that everybody loved. You know, Peyton Manning, goofy, and big, doofy white guy. That was Peyton Manning. And everybody loved it. You see, we criticize Baker Mayfield for being in tons of commercials 
especially since he's not winning. But what he doesn't realize is that the funny, charming, likable guy that he is for progressive is the guy everybody wants to see at the podium or in front of reporters. Peyton loved to make people laugh on TV, but he brought that guy to the public. Baker makes you laugh on TV, but he instead brings the snarky and aggressive. Now, I don't think Baker, I don't think Baker will ever be Peyton Manning on the field. But you got to admit, there are some similarities. There are some similarities. Both have a reputation for accuracy. I know Baker's numbers are dipping this year, but for the most part, he's at a really big, he's for the most part, but a really accurate quarterback. They're both smart guys. They're both fierce competitors, but the difference lies in leadership and how they relate to people outside of, outside of the commercials. I'm sitting there with my dad last night and we're both saying Baker Mayfield should be Peyton Manning. He just, he chooses not to be. Seriously, he's hysterical. So why does he make it so hard for us to like him? The opportunity for Baker to be likable is there. He's funny. He plays for the darling Cleveland Browns. He's been an underdog his whole life. His, he's surrounded by talent. He is talented. He's a quarterback. There's no reason why he shouldn't be the most likable guy in the NFL. That's what's most frustrating with Baker. Okay, it's not so much that he isn't likable. It's that he should be likable. Baker and Peyton are actually very similar. But the way Peyton Manning handled himself was second to none with any quarterback in the league's history. Okay, and Baker makes it so hard for us to be on his side. Baker should be likable, but he isn't. Okay, attacking reporters, constantly making noise, thinking that that's all leadership. It's the whole thing. So in the end, Baker and Peyton Manning could be virtually the same in everything. But in the specific thing that we criticize Baker for, leadership, attitude towards the media, they couldn't be more different. Peyton was exactly who everybody loved. The funny, never snarky, relatable, personable guy. He was Peyton Manning was an incredibly likable player. And Baker Mayfield, I'm watching him in these commercials and I see the exact same thing. Likable, funny, you made people it made people laugh, big personality, we love it. I mean, he's great in the commercials. Hey, listen. Next time, your place, and they just go, oh, God, i got to stop entertaining. And he's looking at this entire stadium that's filled with messy garbage, and he takes out that tiny little hand vacuum and starts cleaning. Yeah. I mean, that's hysterical. That's great. <laughs> so why isn't he like that in front of the media? Why isn't he like that in real life? I know he's got it in him. So why doesn't he just take that same action? He makes it so hard for everybody to be on his side. I don't want to not like Baker. But the truth of the matter is, he brings all this on himself. So yeah, Baker and Peyton, they're alike. They could be alike. But in reality, in that one little area, they couldn't be more different. Okay, coming up next, 
Uh, we do it every Tuesday. It's called What Are the Chances? Evan gives Uh-oh. me a situation. I got to give you the percentage chance that it happens. <gasps> and we got one more news segment with our wonderful Big J journalist, Monica Ray, here on a Tuesday. It's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back. Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Mike, Evan, Monica. Uh, we are running short on time, so let's uh, let's get into it. It's the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Tuesday. Right, You've been so very busy today. I was, and I actually did. I was busy this weekend, too. I went to see the New York Riptides, which is the newest lacrosse team to come to New York, uh, Long Island, and they're playing at the Coliseum. So I went to a practice game and a coach meet and greet, and I got to speak to the coaching staff. God, you were just meet, everywhere. Meet some of the players. and Seriously. I you, hope they do well because it was kind of fun. You know more people <laughs> than I think I've met in my life. I'm, well, I'm not kidding. Like, I think you know, you know more people than me and my fiancé combined. <laughs> Seriously, she gets out. Like, she actually goes and does things. <laughs> Going to some, yeah. Uh, why don't we do anything anymore, honey? God, God. Yeah. So. I think we need marriage counseling. Lord, <laughs> get the fire back. So. Uh, wow. <laughs> oh, they're not even married yet. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. But um, premarital. I think we could have some of the the coaching staff come and talk to us about football and what they like and come on the show. Huh. And maybe some of the players, a lot of, lo- lot of Long Islanders, a lot of local guys, which is kind of cool. So they're playing at the Coliseum. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's the problem with doing sports talk radio on Long Island, is everybody cares about lacrosse. Like, it's such a huge lacrosse town that, like, Well, it's you know, it's crazy. funny, because people think that, like, lacrosse was created on Long Island, but no, it wasn't. Lacrosse has been around a lot longer and been a lot more popular in other states, especially down south. Like Native Americans here. played it in... Absolutely. Oh, yeah, on, you, on Thanksgiving. You see it on Indian... <laughs> you, you see more lacrosse on Indian reservations than you see anything else. I'm serious. Probably. I mean, but, crazy. But anyway, nice team, great guys, nice coaches, so they'd like to come yeah, on. Yeah, bring them by. We can have... Bring them uh, by. We'll talk to them. We'll, we'll, we'll ruin their day. We'll ruin their day. And then I found that the Hawks' John Collins was suspended for 25 games for violating the drug policy. Apparently, he took, unbeknownst to him, some growth hormone. He said he's very careful about what he puts in his body, but he had no idea that that supplement he was taking had an illegal component in it. Do you buy okay, that? Okay, listen, that I, I'm not a professional athlete. Buy or sell that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will sell it, but here's my thing. Where's the sell? I, sell, sell, sell. <laughs> I told you, Evan, to have the Mad Money soundboard on at <laughs> all times. Thank sell, you. Sell, sell, sell. There, sell, sell, sell. There, there it is. <laughs> anyway, okay, so I'm not a, I am not a professional athlete, so but I can't. But you played one on TV. I. <laughs> you're, you're hyper. Anyway. Um, I've never been a professional athlete, so I don't know what athletes put into their bodies over the course of the season. But my initial question is, is when people say, I'm very cautious about what I put in my body, I don't really know what I was putting in my body. 
Why are you putting anything in your body? It sounds bogus. Like, it just... I might be naive for saying that, and I might not be well-sourced or or well-traveled or or whatever, but... Because I know athletes get, like, cortisone shots and everything like that to take away some pain and whatever, but... Why are you putting anything in your body at that point? And I mean... Well, how could you mistake... Like, is a doctor not going to tell you, yeah, this is a growth hormone? And isn't, I he, mean, a, isn't he already fully grown? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> grow, I mean, grow, it makes you grow even bigger. I mean, but look... It, I'm not even going to comment know, on that. I don't know, but a player like John Collins... <laughs> John Collins is among some of the most athletic players in the NBA. John Collins is a massive athlete. So, well, now we know why. But uh, well, I don't think that that's the reason why. I just I'm kidding. I don't know what it is. I don't, I, I, I don't get it. Like, if think, you're not aware of what you're putting in your body, then don't put it in your body. Right. I mean, it's like saying, "Oh, this needle might have heroin in it." Let's see. And if Chink. somebody can't tell I mean, you what's in there, then don't take it. I don't know. That's like, why would you do that? I don't know. 25 game suspension. Is that a big suspension? Yeah, and it's costly. Yeah. He plays for the Atlanta Hawks, who thrive off young talent. They need guys like John Collins. You know, they Trey Young already got hurt. You know, you don't want to keep losing guys. No. You know, Trey Young, you got DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, and now John Collins and Kevin Herter. And I mean, I'm like, you've got to keep pace here. You know, I think the Hawks could be a playoff team. This is a big loss for them. John Collins, a good player. He's a 20 and 10 guy. Yeah. I don't know. I bet he'll have time to watch Anchorman. Uh, listen. Just saying. Listen. <laughs> is that what I got to do? I got to take human growth hormone and get, sus- and get suspended so I can watch Anchorman? It works 60% of the time, 100% of the time. Right, Okay. Evan? <laughs> All right. Finally. <laughs> My God. All right. Lastly, what's up? Oh, lastly, what's up? Yeah. Oh, um, so I was going to ask you, what do you think the biggest upset in football was this weekend? Probably Packers Chargers. Yeah. Probably Packers say, Chargers. I was going to say Ravens Patriots. No, I wouldn't say that. Really? No. Well, okay. So I, I would say I would call it an upset. Yes, right. but I think there were at least some people that believed that the Ravens had a nice shot at winning that football game, but. I don't know. Everybody was expecting the Packers to go into Los Angeles and absolutely mow over. That was that's my problem. Is when I do four short four, I, it was until this week that I didn't have a negative week. I was I was always over five hundred for my gambling picks. I went one and three this week because of all the upsets. I mean, freaking! I lost the game with the Chargers and the Packers because I thought the Packers were going to mow over them. Turns out they got crushed. Right. Uh, the other NFL game I lost was Indianapolis and Pittsburgh. Jacoby Brissett got hurt, yeah. and it caused the Colts to lose. Is and then there was. Right? I think oh, he that... only updated his. Oh no, I updated. Yeah, I updated. Uh, I updated Monica's. I updated mine. I got to update yours, Mike. Oh, not Mike's. But Mike. I have a question for you. Um, for what are the chances? It's my own question. What are the chances? At the next Monday night football game, somebody smuggles a black cat and drops him on the field. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if we saw one at Jerry World <laughs> next week. I wouldn't say Monday night football, and but then, Jerry World, I then, think there could be. That's Jerry, Sunday night. And then Jerry will give the cat a piece of pie. 
contract. Here, here you go. You get a piece of a cot. You get a contract. I will a- say, uh, <laughs> I don't know who it was, but uh, that, cat out there. that black. Uh, there, there was, a, there was a feller that was on one side of the field that was running like crazy, and I'm thinking that next year I'm gonna give him that piece of pie to join our, to join our team. Yeah, our maybe a new mascot, team. right? He will be a great asset to our team. To our team. <laughs> maybe he could coach. All right. Uh, All right. <laughs> oh, that's I, was the news. Wait, I was waiting for that. Me, AJ journalist Monica Ray. <laughs> Uh, also, this is just breaking now. Also, Cam Newton, uh, the Panthers are placing Cam Newton on IR. It is officially ending his season. So Kyle Allen, uh, barring any injuries, will be the starting quarterback for the uh, for the Carolina Panthers for the remainder of the year. Mm. Uh, and I genuinely do believe that that could be the end of Cam Newton in Carolina. I really do. I think he could go anywhere else. I think in Carolina, he might lose his job to Kyle Allen. To Cal. To Cal. It's Cal. Well, to Cal. Right, right now it's Cal. It'll be interesting, too. It's interesting, to, it's interesting too, because with this, whole, with, with this whole situation with Cam, you know, I, I know he's – I think they say he did see a foot specialist, I think, the other day. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I thought I heard he was making progress, so maybe, if, maybe he's really hurt or, or maybe they decide to put him in, an IR now for him to get – feel to, for him to get better and also to – for him to get better and also to – Reassure, assure that this is Kyle Allen's team right now. Maybe, maybe that's another reason why they did it. But it's interesting. Will it's, they start Cam or Cal? It's Kyle's team. It's Kyle's team right now for the rest for the rest Cal. for the rest of the season at least. It is Kyle's team. Cal. It'll be interesting to see where Cam is. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see where Cam will be next year. Wait, who's the starting quarterback for the Panthers? It is Cal. Cal. It is Cal. It is Cal. When <laughs> <It is Cal. laughs> you said that the first time, because I didn't even draw the connection. I didn't even draw the connection because when we test the when we do mic checks before the show, check check. That's we don't do check we check. We just do South Park We do we do cow cow, and he was just like the new starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers is cow. cow. <laughs> it is. They are better with cow. <laughs> funny all right what are the chances we do this every tuesday evan gives me a situation i gotta give you the percentage chance that it happens evan here we go what do we got well with the cam newton breaking news situation breaking news out what are the chances cam newton is the starting quarterback for the chicago bears next season i'm gonna give that like a 20 percent chance of happening you know where his top destination i think would be he would thrive in this system tampa Yes. Yeah. On the head. That was going to be my next one of the chances. What are the chances Cam would be up on the bottom? I think that's the spot. If if Bruce Arians wants to move on from Jameis Winston, then Cam Newton to Carolina, I think, uh, I'm sorry, to Tampa Bay makes a lot of sense. He stays in the division, right? And he plays for Bruce Arians, who I think he would, he would thrive under. He's got weapons. I mean... I think he'd thrive in Tampa Bay. But again, we're, we have to kind of think about this. Uh, Cam Newton, I think, is closer to done than being resurrected. You know, he was really a pure running quarter, quarterback. He had his time, and then he kind of faded out. I was making that point about Lamar Jackson yesterday, Evan. So, I don't know. I, I, would, uh, I would say that the best fit for him, the best fit for him would be... Um, would be Tampa Bay, 
but I'm gonna I'm gonna put a 20% chance on Chicago. What are the chances on Tampa Bay? What chance you put on Tampa Bay? 50. 50. 50. What are the chances Cal Allen is the starting quarterback Cal. for the Panthers next season? Cal. Cal. 90%. 90. I think that there's I think there is a there's a legitimate chance that. Kyle Allen doesn't give up the job, and I think there's a legitimate chance that Cam Newton doesn't go back to Carolina and never gets his job back because they got to pay him, right? He's a free agent after this year. Kyle Allen? No, Cam Newton. Oh, Cam. I think Cam's a free agent after this year. No, I'm sorry. He's under contract next year, but if they cut him, they have no dead money. There's no cap hit. I thought you said Kyle Allen. I was like, wait, he's a rookie. Too. No, 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 no. No, no. They have Kyle Allen for a couple more yeah, years, yeah, yeah. but... Oh, uh, Cam is on. Cam is under Cal. Cam is on a contract next season. He is on a contract for the Panthers next season. So I know, but I think if they cut him, I don't think that there's a cap hit. I don't think there's a cap hit. So we'll see. All right, what's next? Here's a cap hit of twenty-three million dollars and a da- dead cap value of nine million dollars. That's Cam Newton's contract. That's in twenty nineteen. So, all right, next one. What are the chances now that the New England Patriots have lost their first game of the year to the Ravens? Their next games are pretty tough. Eagles on the road, Cowboys at home, Texas on the road, Chiefs at home. What are the chances the New England Patriots lose to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys and make it a three-game losing streak? I, I would. On the road I, in Philly. I, I think that's, uh, no, I, 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 I'm not going to say no. that. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to give that like a like a 4% chance of happening. They'll win one of those two games, if not both of them. Uh, I think at the Eagles, it's going to be tough, but I do think that they beat the Cowboys. They'll beat the Cowboys in Fox. It's in Foxborough, right? Uh, yes, it's in Foxborough. They're going to beat the Cowboys in Foxborough. They're going to beat the Cowboys in Foxborough. I, I, I have no doubt about that. Even though I will say this, the Cowboys do play tough against the Patriots. What are you saying? Don't say that. They do. What? That you're they're going to lose? the Cowboys? Yes. How do you call yourself a Cowboys fan? Monica, we lost to the Jets. And the Patriots we've, we've beat the Jets. That. We've and the Jets that. lost to the Patriots 33 to nothing. You know what? You got to pick up your bootstraps and move on. Yes, I understand that. But we'll move on next week against Minnesota. And then when we go to New England, we're going to get our asses handed to us. I don't know. Actually we're, pick them to actually, we're not going to get it handed to us. They're just going to take it. They're going to plaster it on the wall. And they're going to frame it. And it's going to say, Cowboys asses. <laughs> right over the fireplace, like Mr. Krabs. <laughs> That's a good reference. Giddy up. That's oh, uh, by the way, Bill Belichick, in his press conference, alarmingly, shockingly said, War on Philadelphia. <laughs> War on Philadelphia. What's interesting is, with these next two games. We're, we're on a bye week. And then his son said. And then his son said. <laughs> I agree with that. We're on to the bye week. We're going to Philadelphia. <laughs> What's interesting is I love Philadelphia- making Monica giggle. It's really cute. It's Philly- funny. Philly has. <laughs> Philly has. I don't sound like that. Yes, you do. A little bit. <laughs> Was it a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> Look at your giggle. <laughs> I made Mike. I made Mike laugh. She giggles. Her 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 pitch goes up. It's like <laughs> I made Mike laugh so so good the other day. <laughs> See, I told you it's cute. I missed it, huh? <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, I made, I made Mike laugh really good the other day. He was like, oh. <laughs> I'll 
belly laugh. All right, what, did, what, did, what was it that made me laugh again? It was again? a Chopinigo impression. Oh, it's Chopinigo. Hey. Oh, I can't take the misery. Oh, no, we lost the Dolphins. Evan, we lost to, to the, the dolphins. dolphins. Oh, no. <laughs> fire everyone. Every time I feel like I got to fire Adam Gase myself, I'm going to ring this bell. <laughs> oh. I'm going right. to call it the Le'Veon Bell. It's <laughs> actually pretty clever. All right. What can I say? I'm wearing my Antarctic shirt. All right, all right, all right. Get that ego. Check that ego out the door. All right. I'm like Baker Mayfield. Back to the game. Yankees have decided not to extend the $17.8 million qualifying offer to Didi Gregorius. Yeah, because he would. Because if they did, he would. Uh, he would. Um, he would accept it. Yeah, the Yankees now would not. The Yankees now will not get a draft pick compensation if he signs elsewhere. New York could still try to resign him. So, what are the chances Didi Gregorius will end up resigning with the New York Yankees? It's really sad to say, but I, I think it's it's pretty low. I'm gonna say like like thirty percent. I just don't think it happens. You know, they're gonna let Glaber Torres play short. They're gonna have DJ LeMahieu play second. Urshela and Andujar are gonna play third, and that's just gonna be it. They're gonna put Void at first base, and there you go. That there, I don't think they're gonna bring Didi back. They want more money for starting pitching. I think they're going to be in the market for all the big starters. And they're going to let Didi walk. And it's a shame because I really like Didi Gregorius. But he also did struggle down the stretch. He didn't help his value. If he did come back to the Yankees, he'd have to come back on like a one-year deal for cheap. And I don't think that's going to happen. He's going to go. He's going to get paid pretty decent money to go be somebody's franchise shortstop. All right. What are the chances? Jets, Giants this Sunday at MetLife Stadium. What are the chances a wide receiver in this game eclipses 100 yards? A wide receiver in this game eclipses eclipses 100 yards. 20 percent. I don't think that it really. I don't think it's got a chance at happening. I think the only guy that maybe might have a chance is Golden Tate, but the Jets don't have a receiver that can go for 100. They don't have a receiver that can go. The Giants barely do, and Golden Tate can maybe go go for 100 like once every year. So. I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't think it's likely. All right, Evan, give me one more, and then we'll go home. Okay. So the Arizona Cardinals take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. What are the chances against this Buccaneer defense that's really struggling right now? That's really struggling. Gave up 40 points to the Seahawks on the uh, on the road. What are the chances Kyler Murray has a big day and throws for over 350 and four and three touchdowns? I actually like that. I'm going to say like a 75% chance. I, I actually like that. I like that bet because the secondary for Tampa Bay isn't any good. It's a big air raid offense, a lot, lot of throwing the ball, a lot of deception. Kyler Murray has been playing good football lately. I like that. And they've got a lot of they got a bunch of young, fast receivers in Larry Fitz. Yeah, I think that could that could happen. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's one of the chances. We play it every Tuesday. All right. That does it. Tuesdays. Started late, but hey, listen. We got it in. We got the whole show in. It was good. I think we did well. Yes. Evan's throwing strikes. Hopefully there's no traffic going home. Oh, don't worry. Oh. There will be. Yeah. Traffic is terrible. Oh, bye, bye, bye. hate traffic. <laughs> it's the worst thing of all time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right, that does it for us. Monica Ray, our Big J journalist. Evan Mazza, my producer. I'm Mike Guido. This is the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.